All right, welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Dalton of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, and a note to listeners, we should probably apologize for any coughing in advance, but uh, you'll you'll understand, <laughs> considering <laughs> the times. <laughs> Normally we try and stifle this thing, but I think it's, it's just going to happen today, it's inevitable. Yeah, the music for this week is Smoke Gets In Your Eyes, <laughs> and Your Nose, and Your Mouth, uh, and Your Head. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. Uh, startling, startling hint of things to come, I'm afraid. Oh. But folks, it's, it's not that bad, folks! The lightning just struck the forest! Like, come on, give me a break! Sorry, that was my Doug Ford impression. Um, or Justin Trudeau set them personally. Oh well, that <laughs> him and <laughs> we're we're Junior went up and and lit the place up. We're we're this is a conspiracy theory <laughs> making the rounds right now. <laughs> we're about thirty six hours away from that being the bolded headline on the front page of the Western Standard. Uh, <laughs> open sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at five p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. This week, though, we're just going to be talking about the news, including Paul Bernardo, the notorious serial killer, was moved to a medium security facility in Quebec. That got a lot of people upset. So we're going to have to talk about the politics of incarcerating serial killers. And then it's Pride Month for something completely different. It's Pride Month. And we will talk about the increased security needs for the parades and celebrations in the wake of increased homophobia and transphobia. How concerned should we be? And finally, CBC's Front Burner podcast took a deep dive on Christian fundamentalism here in Canada. So how concerned should we be about that one? Um, yikes. Uh, it's going to be a week. But first, uh, music to Scotty's ears. We're going to talk about a strike. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about a rent strike, actually. It seems to be a... Well, two cases really isn't a trend, but in Toronto, there are two different buildings in two entirely different parts of town, which are currently undertaking rent strikes. Uh, the latest one's in the Thorncliffe area, which uh, a bit different from the other location, which is in the King Street, uh, closer to downtown. A um, hundred tenants uh, have essentially said they are not going to pay the rent until their landlord ends uh, any plans they have to apply for um rent increase beyond the set annual limits um you may know that uh, and I, I i'm not sure i was entirely certain about this that the ontario government sets a limit of how much landlords can raise the rent by in a year but apparently you can apply to get a higher rent increase mm -hmm. so that is what's happening at these buildings and the residents are responding with a rent strike and so we wanted to ask the question i guess the obvious question is like is, is this the beginning of something are we going to see rent strikes in response to um some pretty radical increases in in rent given the housing crisis well i, th I thought this was going to take off at the beginning of the pandemic mm. in march april 2020 because i had in the back of my mind i was like where i feel this has happened recently and of course three years ago isn't that recent but <laughs> Folks may recall that there was a movement then. It's like, okay, we, we just can't pay this. Everything is shut. Uh, you know, similar similar things. But then, of course, supports came and, and it 
it went away. But it, of course, it didn't go away because, as we know, everything is through the roof, particularly rent. As you mentioned, one of the workarounds on rent control, mm-hmm. which is you know, Ford and company have set that level because the friends, it's the highest. I think the the increase level, which is tied to the consumer price index, I think. Mm-hmm. Inflation is also a factor, but inflation is what is something that's killing renters, among other things. The above guideline increase is the Weasley way of putting the rent up. It's they'll say something. Oh, we, we have capital costs. We need to fix this. We need to fix that. It's usually the balcony because I mean the balconies on these places, the older ones, are falling apart. So they say, oh, we need we need to fix this. But how how much do you need to fix it? That one that you mentioned, thirty three King, and it's actually it's confusing with amalgamation. It's King Street and Weston, so it is a little bit out of the downtown. Mm-hmm. I well, I said closer. Anybody, <laughs> I don't think anybody on earth could afford to live at 33 King. <laughs> no, uh, no. Right, rent, rent, there's probably no rent control there right now. Anyway, 22% in the last five years, it's gone up. Mm-hmm. In addition, and that's in addition to the other increases, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a red, red flag. And the company that owns that is called Dream. There's a red <laughs> flag right there. <laughs> any any oh. kind of. Uh, Private equity fund or capital firm called Dream. It's like beware. Uh, so yeah, they. I mean, they only exist to make profit. So of mm-hmm. course they're going to use all you know any means necessary to increase that. And if I my numbers are right, right now one bedroom average twenty five thirty two in Toronto. That's one bedroom, two bedroom thirty three forty seven mm-hmm. is the price. So. And just continuously getting higher, so I, it it doesn't surprise me that people are taking these steps at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in in one of the cases, I think it was in the King Street case. Um, it, it, maybe it was, maybe it was in the Thorncliffe Park case, but one of the buildings was recently like taken over. It, 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 a new owner bought it, and and I have seen this in a couple of cases, including one kind of close to home here where uh, a new landlord comes in, buys a property and their first move is jack up the rent. Um, and, and, uh, it, this would happen recently in, in Guelph with the case of, um, well, her name was Sharon Bray, or I think it was Shannon Bray. Um, who's a woman who she's currently disabled because she had an accident last year. So she's in a wheelchair. She lives in a ground floor apartment. Fortunately for her, um, her apartment's still relatively easy to access. I say relatively because you know, when you're in a wheelchair and a building wasn't built for accessibility purposes, everything's relative. But you know, last year uh, the landlord comes to her and says, "Oh, hey, you, you, you with the ground floor one bedroom apartment that you're probably paying an exorbitant rate for anyway, uh, I'm evicting you because we're going to turn it into a storage room." And she's like, "Well, what the hell?" And, and you know, she she was going to fight it. Um, and then a new landlord buys the building earlier this year. Um, her hearing at the landlord landlord uh, tenant board comes up. The new landlord's a no show because it's not their paperwork. So she's like in the clear, right? And her paralegal says to her, "Well, not so fast because um, your your new landlord's probably going to come up with a new eviction notice because that last process was started under a previous landlord. So instead of this this woman being relatively assured that." Um, she, she's not gonna lose the the place she lives. 
Um, now she's, you know, on pins and needles waiting for this new process to start. Meanwhile, they offer a pittance and like, hey, we know that we raised, you know, the last lo- landlord raised the rent on you in January, but we want to raise the rent again and get you to sign a one year lease and then you can stick around. Um, and I mean, this is borderline extortion, right? Because and and this is true no matter kind of where you live in the GTA, GTHA, Toronto, wherever um, your your rent may be going up, but chances are. No matter how high your rent is going, it is probably cheaper than going out and pounding the pavement and looking for so- somewhere new to live and starting again from scratch. And this is kind of like the the the, the seditiousness of this is like you're literally um, well not literally but you you're practically caught between a rock and a hard place. You can pay the exorbitant rent, or you can go and pay the even more exorbitant rent someplace else. Yeah, and that was that's effectively a rent eviction, whether it's yeah. a storage closet or a new suite, which is probably going to be the case with with a new owner. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know all the details in that, mm. but again, it's she's in that position, probably fixed income. I don't know her exact details, but that's also mm-hmm. fair fairly common in a lot of these buildings. The ironic one is the I guess it's in the Thorncliff case mm-hmm. is that one of the owners of the building is the public sector pension plan. So it is yeah. entirely possible because this is a big complex. If you've ever been by there that uh, there are people that live in there that are on fixed income, whether it's a retirement or whatever reason on a pension. And they're just, they're getting squeezed over and over again. And it's happening with the, the flats, the apartments as well. The renovations are chronic mm-hmm. or they'll say, Oh, we need, we need to renovate, but you need to get out of the unit and then you're out of the unit, but they don't give you, there's no options for you. Mm-hmm. They don't give you anywhere to go. There's no guidance, right? It's just, mm-hmm. we need to, it's, it's falling apart. Well, of course, yeah, it is fall. They're all fall. I don't know if they're all falling apart, <laughs> but in these instances and in these play, a lot of these places have the, the problems, whether it's uh, bed bugs or lack of maintenance, but I mean, who's responsible for the lack of maintenance, the mm-hmm. owner or the previous owner or whoever. So maybe sometimes it's easier just to s- to sell the place, uh, and the value's always gone up, right? It just continuously goes up, mm-hmm. and that's they're all they're all happy. Although there was a, I don't know if you saw it, Adam. There was a landlord protest at Queens Park on Monday. I thought yep. I had misheard, right? So I did do a bit of digging. Yep. Was they're calling themselves now housing providers, <laughs> which is <laughs> right, and they what were, it said they were demanding basic justice. Because a lot of them, this is their words, are ending up homeless and financially ruined and living in cars due to bad tenants. Mm-hmm. So I did, but I don't think that protest got a lot of traction. Whoever was organizing it obviously doesn't know how to organize protests, unlike the rent strike, which is getting lots of traction. That sort of came and went. Uh, so they probably need to work on that, but the, you know, optics will never be good for a landlord, any of them. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you're a so-called small landlord or large, you know, the, the, the MO is the same. Yeah. I mean, there, there does need to be a delineation. Like, I mean, there are some landlords who, you know, have a additional property to make some side income and, you know, not all landlords, hashtag not all landlords, but. Oh no, it's uh, all landlords. <laughs> <laughs> 
for another day probably you got an hour let's let's beat that one yeah but it's like the, the whole thing with the pension plan co-owning the buildings like why does a pension plan own a building to make money there's no reason for a pension plan the whole point of having a pension plan is to make money in order to fund the pensions people and I understand you know pensions are, are kind of squeezed these days because um you know we're we're approaching or have passed that time where we're all these baby boomers the, this large cohort of people are retiring and and people are living longer so understandable but uh, why does a pension plan own a building it's easy money and and this is the, the the like the core conflict of everything going on with housing right now it's like what's the point of housing is it to make money or is it to give somebody a place to live if housing is a human right and i try to push like some of the mm-hmm. politicians who come on the show like is housing a human right because if it is a, a human right what is happening with housing now and what's been happening with housing for years frankly is like the equivalent of a a a, a, a humanitarian crisis it's it's a you know it's a crime against humanity it it's you know i i don't know it just it feels icky when you know you find out that one of the people who owns your building is like a a public sector worker's pension plan because it just pays into like all the worst all the worst things that people hate about unions and pensions and landlords it's 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 kind of like a monster a monster you have to slay <laughs> yeah well that's exactly it. i mean once once housing became commodified, which was is a long sweep that I think started in the 80s and mm-hmm. then went full throttle in the 90s in Canada, but also elsewhere, US, you see it all over the place. <clears throat> that's 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 what it's never been right since. Mm-hmm. Cut, cut social housing, get rid of social housing. Mike Harris, we're not in the business of building housing. That's a quote mm-hmm. that has stuck with me from those days because look what has happened. Mm-hmm. It's that long arc. Mm-hmm. And no one at Queen's Park since that time has been anyone's friend in this because that, no. that's where the driving force has to come from. And the same in our town to the B you hear it all the time. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the county's responsibility. It's like, well, Guelph's the largest thing in the county. You'd think there'd be some sort of relationship there. We could get, put this into gear, but of course there are all these, it's, don't want to oversimplify. There are all these other factors as well, but mm-hmm. until those factors are fixed, because how do you house people? You build housing for them. Well, right? I, I I tried to stick this to Lloyd the last time I was on. Like, why don't we just nationalize? Like, if you have a tool belt, you're now a government employee. You're going to spend the next five years building housing <laughs> for everyone until everyone has a place to live, and then you can get back to making housing for profit. Well, it's- you, you, you see it in Guelph Af- after the war. There's lots of streets where there was the rush of, of uh, veterans coming back, we need housing. And they pressed so hard mm-hmm. that housing got built. And you can see it in the streets of Guelph, all the ones that are named after things. I feel I've talked about this before. During the war, it mm-hmm. can be done. It was thousands and thousands of houses across Canada were built within a very thin slice of time mm-hmm. because they could, because you know the drive was there to do it. The demand was there. Mm-hmm. But you know the excuse now will be like, well, those those guys serve the country, but you know we have these deadbeats that are living in tents stuff for free. Is the attitude now? Right? Well, that's what people think, but that's not what they say. So they blame it on you know, uh, you know, supply chains, and they blame it on you know who's yeah. responsible for what, and you know, instead of just saying like we just need houses. Yeah, and, and just, I, but to say it can't be done is total BS. Is complete. Yeah. And I, I mean, one there, but you know what I mean. 
there there are some people who need more than that, of course, and that's where you get some of these supportive housing um, projects. But you know, the thing of it is now is even if somebody does have a home, they're paying through the nose for it. And the thing that all the landlords fundamentally understand is, um, if it, it, this is the thing at the Thorncliffe Road, they go on a, they go on a strike, and um, like almost a couple of days later, after the first the first of the month, the first the first month of the strike, they're they're thrown out eviction notices. They know that if they can get that person out of there, boom, that's a five hundred dollar increase of the rent, and somebody somewhere is going to pay it because things are so oh, yeah. dire. Yep. The it's secret incredible. to the rent strike is everybody has to be on board, but yep. they know that. But. Yep. All right. For our next topic, I'm going to start with a trigger warning because uh, Paul Bernardo's crimes were, well, incredibly triggering. So uh, if you feel like you have any sensitivities to tales of, of violence and assault and sexual assault, just be advised. I think everybody probably has heard the name Paul Bernardo, probably understands the 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 scope of of what he was sent to prison for uh but in in one of these i don't know what to call it but one of these situations uh it was uh made the news this past week that he was transferred to a medium security prison from what i understand um he's still being kept in isolation from other prisoners um what the medium security does is uh, i i heard it explained as kind of like a more relaxed atmosphere for the prisoners as opposed to something like maximum security where you are on lockdown almost constantly so you know it's a bit more room to move there's a bit more activities one can be involved in um a lot of factors go into moving this and i've heard that from corrections canada but i mean this is paul bernardo and uh understandably a lot of people were upset i mean i think i think and maybe just to start things off i think what under um upset people more was the fact that this is reported after the fact and not reported before the fact which was like as predictable as the sun coming up tomorrow that that was it was it was it was going to definitely get out that he had been moved yeah and of course it's easy for all of them to generate rage about this and r- rightly so i mean people uh-huh. are pissed just because of the level he's the most one of the most infamous if not the most infamous living but hated mm-hmm. people in the nation so if it, the the problem is i think if it's because it's medium security mm-hmm. if it seems like he's benefiting somehow from it now if i understand it right la Macaza, which is the medium security he was sent to in quebec specializes in sex offenders mm-hmm. so i think and this is speculative that because there's been no progress made with this guy that they've sent him to a place where they may, and it's, this is for the benefit of a society, not for him mm-hmm. on the off chance that he would ever get out, which he's, he's, he's a dangerous offender. Dangerous offenders are just, you're not getting out. Mm-hmm. He's applied for parole a couple of times and it, it's just gets shut down immediately. It's like, there's no way mm-hmm. um, that's going to happen. But yeah, so if he does have more freedom, because he was, I think, mostly in solitary, he said at one of his parole hearings that he cried all the time. Good, mm-hmm. most Canadians <laughs> would say. Uh, he And I remember this from back in the time, too, that he got sucker punched by a guy a lot of years ago. Part of the reason why he's in solitary, wasn't solitary, and people were sent that guy like thank you cards and money. Yeah. yeah. And he was... Um, like I, he was in for break breaking in or something. So this wasn't a Bernardo level guy. He's like, mm-hmm. so he was made sort of this 
hero or anti-hero. I don't know. But anyway, but all that aside, it's 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 easy to politically say, oh, you know, Bernardo, Bernardo, Bernardo. Um, and that that's exactly what happened. But yeah, it does. I guess it leaked out. I mean, do you know how this somebody obviously found out and it came out? That was the part that didn't make sense to me. It's like, okay, you're everybody's finding out after the fact, but do people normally find out when any there's gotta be people in in federal jail in Canada that are as bad as Bernardo have done equally as heinous things? Mm-hmm. It, sounds, get, it sounds it sounds like they move somewhere. Is it you know, like Michael Rafferty is another one. The the mm. that was kind of local who mm-hmm. killed Tory Stafford. Is also at La Macasa, and that mm-hmm. that you know that that is of the same level to me as Bernardo. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, is it? I don't know if they're pooling these people together for a reason, or again, it's, it's speculative. And maybe, and that's probably part of the problem with it too. Mm-hmm. Is that we all have our own theory as to why it happened, but is it is it our business or even the government's business to to know? Well, I mean, the, the movements of prisoners are, are technically covered under the Privacy Act. I think, in this case, the, the lawyer for the families, the the French and Mahaffey families, who were two of um, Bernardo's victims, for people who may not be aware, um, they the, the lawyer was informed, and I think the lawyer put the word out. Um, and again, I think that's where this kind of nips in the bud, or... Where you could have nipped it in the bud is that you tell the families in advance, like, "Look, this is what we're doing. Like, lay it all out." And and, and like, obviously, you don't have to do it in a press conference, but I I think the 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 release of the information and and the lawyer like going on the attack over it, I think is a direct response to how it was handled. And um, yeah, obviously, prisoners you know, have rights too. And, you know, you may not like that, but, you know, it's always been a sort of a key, at least in modern times, a a key tenant of our legal system that we treat, we treat our prisoners better than they treated their victims. Um, But it, 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 I mean, this is kind of where the cold calculating logical nature of our system of jurisprudence comes against just like the emotional reaction of like a, a, a monster like Bernardo um, and even like the the sheer possibility he's been he's been giving an easier ride. Um, you know, he's in media like obviously TV shows like Oz give us all these images of what oh, yeah. you know prison life is like. But um so so we hear the words medium security and we think like, oh now he's on a chaise chair or a Muskoka lounger or something, just you know, soaking up the sun in the backyard. It's just that there's like a ten foot tall fence with barbed wire on top or something like that. Um to talk about some of the over top over the top reaction, Heather Malik in a in a star column said that uh she was she was surprised at how quote intelligent, heartfelt left wing people um mm often don't understand evil uh they don't concede it exists um this stuck out to me because i think uh i think scotty and i both kind of lefty and we we know a lot of lefty people and i think uh we would all concede that evil exists and if there is such a thing as evil paul bernardo definitely falls into that category i think we would also call a lot of things evil like jacking up the rent 500 bucks on you know somebody um living hand to mouth that's evil uh, <laughs> you know people over 
uh, profit over people. That's evil. Um, the fact that, you know, there's so many people in our country, our wealthy, wealthy, wealthy country are going to bed hungry tonight. That's evil. And, you know, and Paul Bernardo's evil too. But, you know, to say that um, we don't understand evil, to make this a politics thing, I think that, and again, you know, ha to have Doug Ford, who whose family yeah. has had brushes with the law themselves, you know, mm. to just to be honest, uh, for him to like scream and shout and, and talk about like how he should be, you know, maybe he should be put in a hole and left to to fend for himself or for the rest of his life. I don't know. But, you know, it just, it seems like easy political points, like poor Michael Mendicino is out there going, because, you know, he's not, he's not managing the everyday movements of prisoners in this country. That's what we have a prison bureau for. Yeah. It sounds like Malik's trying to please the owners of the paper, the more recent owners of the paper <laughs> who deke right yeah and ford's ford's line was like throw him in with the general population for these it's too much tv mm -hmm. is what leads to a line like that and not knowing how the, because it's like i said this la macaza he's probably in with the general population but i would say he's probably if he wasn't well liked in millhaven and he wasn't well liked in the kingston pen mm. and the kingston pen it was like next level like victorian prison right mm -hmm. uh till it closed um you know it's if he wasn't liked in those places he probably won't be either but you know that doesn't matter and he, here i'm gonna throw you a lefty curveball here it's like i honestly <laughs> think that uh, somebody like bernardo whether when it's without a shadow of a doubt that he did these things should mm. just be taken care of mm. and i that's not a popular because i have had this discussion with people i know that are for prison abolition and faith groups it always comes up and my line for years and years and years has been what do you do with paul bernardo mm -hmm. you'd be doing canada a favor if another inmate took him out i don't say that lightly mm -hmm. so in some and weirdly in some ways i'm agreeing with ford on his let's just put him in with the general population it's like that's not how it works mm -hmm. or this is the guy that punched him out it was like yeah that's great because you what we all have this sense of of justice right we know this guy's a dirtbag. He's never, ever going to be reformed. He is a waste of skin, and we feed him. Mm -hmm. As you said, that's that's how the system works. Mm -hmm. We've decided as a society, you know, you'll notice Ford didn't say, they were should take him out back and shoot him. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are people who feel like that, and I actually lean that way. Mm -hmm. uh it's in this in this weird way. But it's to me, it's visceral. I was the the not the age of the of uh Mahaffey and French, but mm -hmm. I was I was uh you know, starting to pay attention to news and things when this happened, it was huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you notice no one talks about Carla Homolka anymore. Although when she first got out and mm -hmm. was living in Quebec and had kids and having a quote normal life, uh, you know, they made some hay about that at the time. But you never hear about her. Yeah, she's kind of disappeared. Offered up her sister to Paul Bernardo, who yeah. killed her. Yeah. So she's, yeah, she's kind of disappeared into the ether. You know, it's it's interesting. Um. Well, we're kind of dealing with this. Um, <laughs> Leslie Van Houten, who was a member of the Manson family and was one of the the murderers of uh, who took part in the the string of killings um, in California, she's been up for parole several times, and um, the parole board has had twice before recommended she be allowed to go on parole. She's seventy three now, and twice Gavin Newsom's shot it down. And mm. this time the parole board overruled Newsom. So now oh. it has to go to the California Supreme Court. And it's like, 
there, there's something about it that's like, yes, she was a member of the Manson family. They had a crazy idea about starting a race war by killing famous white people. But on the other hand, it was 50 years ago. She's 73. Charlie's been dead six years. Um, I mean, Squeaky Fromm's been out of jail for like over a decade. Squeaky Fromm was a member of the Manson family. She didn't take part in the Tate LaBianca murders. She didn't ever try to cap Gerald Ford shortly after he became president. Hmm. So (laughs) it's. it's And she's out. I didn't know that. She's out. Yeah. It's, It's so it's, you know, it's funny how. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it just strikes me as unusual that it, how we have different reactions to different things yeah. depending then, on the horridness then, of the crime. Then there's somebody like Brevik in Norway where sure. prisoners are generally treated better. He goes he goes for parole and still does Nazi salutes. Like he killed what 77 people? Yeah. And yet he's, you know, no death penalty for him and he he literally will go to the parole board with like a little sign and go Heil Hitler and and uh, you know, their their society accepts that. <laughs> Obviously, maybe not everybody, but it's like, but he's he's not getting out. Yeah, he might get out before Bernardo, though. I don't know. Wow, well, it's a crazy world out there, and we're not done talking about it yet. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more news. You're listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU ninety three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. That's number seven on the current CFRU chart. The artist is Harrison. The album is called Birds, Bees, the Clouds, the Trees. And the song is Like When We Were Kids. <laughs> and although it has no words, you can apply whatever meaning you like to that song. Mm-hmm. The birds, bees, clouds, and trees all coughing right now. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Hopefully that'll end soon. Um, if if you see a tree coughing, you might want to check to see what kind of smoke is uh, in the air. But just like Oz, man, it's like a um, not, the, not the prison show, The Wizard of Oz. Anyway, or maybe both. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is another trigger warning because we're going to be talking about um, threats of violence against uh, people in our LGBTQ plus community. Uh, it is Pride Month. Should be a cause of celebration. It is going to be a cause of celebration. There are a lot of going to be a lot of uh, Guelph Pride events starting this week, um, along with the Guelph and District Multicultural Festival at Riverside Park all weekend long. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's I'm sure there's some ads on CFRU about that that uh, you might catch. But um, this week, the federal government announced that they're offering a million and a half for various Pride groups across the country. The purpose is for security give you some idea of what um what groups are facing and, and toronto obviously is an outlier but because th- their events are so huge but the executive director of toronto pride said that their insurance costs went up this year from sixty seven thousand dollars to three hundred thousand dollars 
private security costs went up 25%, and apparently it now costs 150% more to get the paid duty police officers. Um, yeah, they make 90 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, one would think that they would offer their services for free after letting a serial killer run uh, mm. pretty loose in the villages, but um, that's not for me to say. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty dire out there that a lot of people are worried about stuff happening. I mean, we've seen it in this community. We, uh, The city of Guelph opened the new Rainbow Crosswalk a couple of weeks ago, and, and it was so low-key. Um, they invited the press, and including myself, the day before. Um, there was kind of no fanfare. There was no like ribbon cutting. They didn't even invite sort of the the family of uh, Matea Somerville, who was the the young girl who unfortunately passed away. But it was kind of her petition that got the ball rolling on that, and and they weren't invited, um, or they weren't formally invited. I think there's something being planned later this month, um, to sort of have an official opening. But still, I mean, you can't help but wonder. Uh, the week before when people are posting just incredibly disgusting things to the city of Guelph's Twitter page um, that is homophobic and transphobic. Um, you know, they shut down what should have been a, a really lovely celebration for this unique inclusive feature in our community, just because of some tweets. Yeah. For something that seems like a very Guelph thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's surprising what comes out. I, I think a lot of that material comes from, elsewhere i mean the haters just mm-hmm. become more emboldened people chiming in from all over the place and something that has nothing to do with them but it does because where wherever they are mm-hmm. it's the same I mean, we've seen it i mean what was it last year the there was the not just in guelph but everywhere like flags getting taken crosswalks defaced was it strafford last year i think it was strafford mm-hmm. threats to people and business that that display the pride flag or anything to do with the community and that's constant but in june it just amps up right mm-hmm. it just it just amps up ramps up and this money i i mean hopefully it will help but uh you, you just and what was it today or the other day uh, as soon as we this came up as a topic it you kind of see it mm-hmm. everywhere including um everything that's going on in florida mm-hmm. i mean every single thing mm-hmm. and and anything to do with florida right now is just and there's something like 500 anti-lgbtq bills uh on the books in this across america mm-hmm. 500 specific to trans people 500 anti-trans bills across america waiting mm-hmm. to be passed and probably vetoed and then passed anyway all of this adds up. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is a lot of it is coming from the U.S. So I think it's bleeding up here, and it, but it's it's not just the U.S. too because uh, was it last week, two weeks ago uh, in um, I wanted to say Rwanda, mm, Uganda. Uh, my, my, no, my notes are overlapping from the, <laughs> this week <laughs> and last week because we were we were gonna we were gonna talk about this the bill that was Uganda the bill mm-hmm. that was passed mm-hmm. called the anti homosexuality bill. That mm-hmm. is the name of the bill. Mm-hmm. Life imprisonment and the death penalty for what what they you know however they interpret they draw the line. It's usually men with men, but uh, it's it's not like pretty wide ranging legislation mm-hmm. or giving someone HIV. Although we know HIV is not exclusive to the LGBTQ2S plus community, no. 
So it's just chronic. And the levels of it are different. It's like we have these bills being passed and whatnot, but it's also, you know, it, it speaks to somebody that feels the need to tweet hate. Mm-hmm. It starts as simple as that and then spirals from there. So no wonder they're worried about pride events in Canada and everywhere this year, but specifically here. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, what happened in, or what is happening in Uganda and I mean, things that are happening at the the state and and local level in the U.S. too are are sort of abysmal. What I, I think the concern is what what's called stochastic terrorism, where mm-hmm. you know one one loose cannon is is wound up by internet stuff, and you kind of see the the, the, the target thing that's in that's been happening in the United States, where somebody goes into Target, sees the pride display, and starts tearing it down. Or there was this other video of this guy who picks up like a pride shirt with like a rainbow unicorn and starts walking around the store filming himself going like, do you approve of this Satanism? And then then eventually like the Target employee comes over to him and says like, yeah, uh, please leave. And his reaction is like, no, you're violating my free speech. And it's like, no, she's not violating your free speech. And I understand that. I just, I'll get to the, the 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 rest of this in a sec um the the whole thing is and i wish that target would take this tact what she should have said is like no uh i'm not violating your free speech only government can infringe on your free speech Hmm. target is private property if Hmm. we don't want you here you don't have to be here and we can have someone like whether it's our own security or police toss you off that's the training the target employees should be got what in- they got instead though was they pulled the pride display or moved it to the back of the store where you know people coming in looking to make trouble aren't going to walk around the whole target store looking for the pride display in order to make their little videos um the problem here is in a time where you need like real life allyship we're not seeing it and you have places like target that have no problem making money off the backs of LGBTQ plus people when, you know, everybody's kind of embracing the movement. But as soon as like something like this happens and, and Jimmy Bob and Ricky, Ricky Bobby start coming in to, you know, trample on display, they push it to the side. It's like, okay, now you're invisible again until, until like we can be sure, assured, like everybody is safe. Like just, shh, shh. We're, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna hit pause on pride i think that's kind of like the really insidiousness of this is like yeah there are like legitimate threats too but the reaction isn't to pull back i mean you know when when the threats are real we, we do kind of need to double down and and it's just answering the simple question are you an ally or are you not do you mm-hmm. just want to make money from this or does this or does this actually mean something to you having a pride display where you're selling pride merch that's the real question and it's amazing how much of it involves products. Like you mentioned Target, the Bud Light protests. We're going to boycott your beer because we don't like trans people. They and gave, they gave Dylan Mulvaney two minutes on Bud Light's Instagram feed, and that's what started that. Yeah, but is it like, is anybody boycotting Apple because Tim Cook is gay? You know what I mean? Like it, it's Great question. Weird, slices of we're going to focus on this because it's it's the zeitgeist right now it's like oh you took our beer you took target you took this you took how dare you and then it goes into the it goes in all different directions a lot of it driven by religious fundamentalism a lot of it driven by other things just just plain just plain old hate and mm-hmm. not understanding but 
the focus is all over the place. And the problem that spirals out from that, because mm-hmm. we know America holds very highly of free speech. You can say, you can say whatever, which isn't completely true, mm-hmm. but that, that's what drives it. And it's like, okay, free speech, then I'm going to jump onto it. And I'm going to jump onto it. And you have to wonder how much of it is just people being idiots, which is a lot of it. Mm-hmm. When, when that morphs into the, the physical hate, mm-hmm. you know, that the hate online, I'm, believe me, I'm not diminishing what goes on online because it's, it's, you've seen it. It's just like, what is wrong with you people? But it does spread that whole fear into like, are, are people going to be safe at Pride? Never mind Pride. Are you going to be safe in your cafe that just has a flag mm. on the outside? Because mm-hmm. that seems to be another people who take pressure like, I am never going in this business. And of course, people will say, well, good. Don't bother. <laughs> who cares? You're an idiot. Um, yeah, it's um, I mean, it's even worse than that, because I've seen like screen grabs of social media posts where people are like saying it's gra- it's 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 um, c- catch the flag month or what's that game that people capture play? the flag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where And of course, what they mean is rainbow flag. You go around and you collect them like, you know, like you're a trophy hunter it's it's so disheartening too and you're right a lot of it is based on just people looking for things to get mad about and unfortunately if enough people get mad about something it can like it it can create like real opportunities for someone who is violent to do violence and then the question is you know how much how much are you responsible for that? You know, just, you know, maybe you want to be like the, the virtue signaling guy. Also the responsibilities on, you know, Budweiser, (laughs) that situation is so pecocked anyway, because it's, you know, these guys so mad about Bud Light, but then they go and buy, Oh, I'm going to buy this other beer. It's of course put out by the exact same company. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And all because Bud Light, you know, gave again, gave two minutes of, screen time on their instagram feed to someone who identifies as trans it's so silly it's so performative and then there's the other side of this and there's this cnn town hall with nikki haley who's paradoxically running for president um as a republican nominee she gets on there and she says well you know we have one in three young women who are contemplating suicide and you know why it's because they don't know if one of the other girls in their locker room was really born a boy and it's like hold on that's the reason yeah Hold on. You mean to say that the possibility that there's a trans woman in the locker room is more of a pressure on young women than like images of perfection on social media or the fact that they may go to school today and get shot? Like that's like the the, the possibility of there being a trans athlete is more stressful. And then I, I somebody actually did the statistical work. There's there's really no kind of like verified statistics about how many trans people there are in the United States. But you can make inferences, and the inference is there's probably less than 100 high school trans athletes in the United States. So, and 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 the the, the real sort of coup de gras for me was that the moderator Jake Tapper, who is one of their capital J journalists on CNN, stood there and said nothing. He he mm. made this moment like, what about like just treating humans with respect and it's like no 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 she just unloaded a torrent of anti-trans bs on cnn and jake tapper was picking his bum or something oh boy <laughs> yeah and the, th- the 
thing with the spillover up here and also it's going on in Lo- is it Los Angeles right now? School school board again. Yeah. Seen it at the school board meetings here where this comes up and people will go and like you're the antichrist, etc. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. When when does the when does the volume of that get so much that it's just going to be an incident or incidents? And here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. And like all bullies, we saw this in Manitoba a couple of weeks ago. There was this school board meeting where they wanted to pull stuff out of the library. Maxine Bernie was there to fly the oh. proverbial flag. Okay. And the community came out and said, Leave our freaking library alone. And they and and they went away. This is what allyship is. You come out and you stand your ground. You hold the flag. You don't do what York Region does, where it's like, we're not going to fly the flag, but we'll say happy pride on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, or Norwich it's, Township, right? Like Right. Let's, well, Norwich Township isn't like, we're not going to fly any flag at all except our civic flags. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Good cowardice, everybody. Um, <laughs> the, it's that you can confront these people and you can push them back because so much of it is performative. There are so many people, mostly in the U.S., some here in Canada, though, that make a very good living stoking these nutsy, um, that may be, <laughs> that may be a little uh, Freudian slip on my part, um, these nutsy uh. protests that end up hurting so many people in our community in the end. And uh, let's talk about more of them. Um, so CBC's Front Burner show did a uh, deep dive into the rising Christian fundamentalism. Local news alert: They went to uh, Trinity Bible Church for uh, for part of uh, the story. Um, did they wear masks while they were there to do the story? <laughs> great question. I was I, I got the impression he went there last December, so like December 2022. So like the mask requirements were off. Uh, um, sorry, I just. <laughs> but you're a place right yeah but yeah i mean you're right trinity bible church was became very well known during the pandemic for holding services despite pandemic lockdowns they were fine they've they've gone to uh i think they've gone as far as the ontario superior court to get those fines revoked and now they're trying to move on to um the, the supreme court of canada but the 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 basis of the story was like should this be uh, of concern to people here in Canada. Um, and the reaction <laughs> generally on social media seemed to be, uh, you weren't, you weren't concerned before. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, I don't think people shouldn't underestimate this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not as if we don't have the same, our church state line is unwritten, unlike in the U S where it's like church and state is separate, but as we know, mm. and as we just talked about, it's one of the worst places for these things to cross over because you're also mm-hmm. allowed your beliefs, right? And to express them under the First Amendment in the U.S. It's a little different here, but we the common law is kind of the same. Right? Mm-hmm. But, and over the years, Canada has had all kinds of religious interference in state affairs. It's mm-hmm. more like collusion. Example, mm-hmm. residential schools, right? Mm-hmm. We still have an entire, in Ontario, an entire school system that's publicly funded that has a religious basis mm-hmm. well, hospitals hospitals mm-hmm. that won't do abortions mm-hmm. hospitals that won't give pill i could go on and on but those are the examples right so it's not as if we we say these things are separate and they're not separate but this this is next level because the if i and it's kind of, it's a weird collision here because they they this group doesn't like the government and didn't like the government interfering. It started supposedly, I'm sure it started beforehand with the 
the masking specific to Trinity and whatnot. It's like, you know, the government made, made the mistake in interfering in our, our ability to worship. So now we're going to, we want to become the government so we can what like impose our version. We can declare war on the woke, like our friend DeSantis. You know, the guy mm-hmm. said the government, the government is the antichrist. Mm-hmm. If the government is that bad, mm-hmm. because that if it's if it's all you know, if there's only the one, if the government is the antichrist, why on earth would you want to be a part of it? Right? Why? Why? You, yeah. But uh, it's and it's ne- I would well, I wouldn't never say never. Like it's not as if it isn't going to happen. These people don't have the level of support that they maybe think they do. Mm. But the danger is, and we were talking about school boards a bit there is that I get, I think they ran a bunch of targeted candidates across Canada, mm-hmm. some of whom got in. Mm-hmm. So it starts, as we know in politics, a lot of people start with the school board, right? Mm-hmm. You start with the school board and then you work your way up or lateral or whatever. So, I guess it's politically smart, but you know, do we want put it this way? I think one of the the key mistakes that this country made when it got its own constitution in 1982 was putting the supremacy of God in the first line. Because I have heard that so many times from religious people. Well, it's in the constitution. Mm-hmm. Which then goes on to explain, you know, it finesses it a bit more and says, well. That we believe that, but also the you know the people that don't believe that, which is the majority, uh, <laughs> you know they they can't be discriminated against. You can't be discriminated. You know there's there's it's it's not as cut and dried as that God is supreme and that's what's in the Constitution. That was mm-hmm. an error on Trudeau and company's part. I in my opinion, mm. because it drives stuff like this. Not just that one statement, but you know what I mean. It's there mm-hmm. point and say, look, God is supreme. And it's 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 not correct. And they made they made this point on the front burner podcast too. Like a lot of the secularization has happened like very very quickly. Like I'm young, I'm old enough that you know I I was in school the last few years. They did the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Um, you know we we have a moment of silent reflection at city council meetings. That's only because we don't do a prayer anymore. Um, things like. You know the Morgenthaler decision. That was the late '80s. You know, uh, we we just put the kibosh on conversion therapy last year. Um, you know, allowing or, or being more open and 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 um, accepting of people like trans people that we were just talking about. That that's a recent development too, and a lot of this does seem to be a response to a rapidly shifting secularization. Of course, part of the thing is that that secularization was there was an undercurrent all along. Um, it didn't just happen and it didn't just spring up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of what's happening is a reaction. It, it's, it's this, this nostalgic worldview of like, wasn't life better back when it's like, well, it depends on who you ask. If you were a trans person and, you know, to pull a date out of the ground, 1963 probably wasn't very great. <laughs> um, if you were a white, guy who you know had a blue collar job and went to church every sunday yeah life was probably pretty good um but it's what what's driving a lot of this too is just the the reflection like life used to be better when and they're being driven this was a christian nation is the right yeah 
and they're being driven towards the targets that have undermined that. So we're talking about LGBTQ plus people, um, atheists, uh, people from other faiths. Instead of looking at, you know, it's it's not Satan's fault that you know there's no more you know unskilled labor in manufacturing anymore. It's because mm. the, the world changed, and maybe our government hasn't been very good at adapting and and helping people adapt. I think that's fair, but. Uh, you know, you can't deny that a lot of this is being driven by uh, a point of view that the world used to be better when, even when it wasn't necessarily better for everyone. I'll give you my retro example because you talked about school there, and I'm obviously old enough where it was still Lord's Prayer in O Canada. Mm-hmm. In my class, and I remember this vividly because a lot happened around it. There was being in a from a more multicultural area at the time, as we called it. There was two Muslim kids and a Jehovah Witness who were sent out into the hall to stand mm, there. Mm-hmm. And that went on and on and on. And we weren't that old, but we knew that that wasn't right. And we kind of got together and said, look, this, you know, you can't can't do this. And I, I didn't know anything about Islam then, really. Mm. I didn't know that Jehovah Witnesses don't worship, you know, they don't stand for any anthem but that of God. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's their beliefs. You don't know the nuance when you're in grade. It was grade seven, I guess, for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't long after that that it was it was gone. This is mm-hmm. this is pre Constitution comes home, right? Well, so it's mm-hmm. the seventies, let's say, right? <laughs> early early eighties. I really really date myself, but we knew that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, the, the the rights are to protect everyone, whether it's you know wh- whether you're at Trinity Church or you're like heathen scum like me like i <laughs> right <laughs> so that's but if, if you're gonna if you're gonna drive this thing it's a if this is your uh philosophy and it's it's totally fine to have your philosophy but if your goal is to have a uh theocratic nation mm-hmm. no one's gonna stand for it for one thing mm-hmm. but like it's it's time for you to think again it's time for you to actually go through your bible and 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 you know, find some real meaning in that in terms of of love and justice and all those things that are in there that they just seem to be put aside because you hate people. I mean, I, I because you don't uh, like people. That that's where this is coming from. Well, here's I went to Sunday school, and you know, there, oh, you, yeah. you did part of the church service before you go downstairs and go to Sunday school. And you know, the hymn we'd always sing before going downstairs to Sunday school is like, "Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you." This I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't say Jesus wants you to hate those people and go and bash yeah. them to, and and listen to Alex Jones and believe crazy things. It's yeah, it there there's something getting lost in translation for sure. Um, we're going to have to leave it there, though. We hope you enjoyed this week's show, although we talked about a lot of downer things. But uh, you can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to our show again by downloading it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Can't read my own notes, as usual. Um, you can also check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter, and Mastodon. And if you're joining us at our regular time on a Thursday on the FM, please stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground. Happy Pride, and may your God go with you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Assuming you take your God with you, of course. But stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of The Open Sources, and we will see you then.